parents just don't understand. Drums, please. everybody welcome to roll call the show where two childless millennials are gonna be gushing over an actor's journey we will be following that actor's journey from their early years throughout their blockbuster hits and also including some music if it applies yeah we're talking about those billboard radio hits baby today because we are talking about not will smith but the fresh prince and dj jazzy Chat. Chicka 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 what? And we're gonna be boom, shake, shake, shake the room. Tick, <laughs> tick, 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 boom. Boom. So yeah, I mean, we've been down this road before, but this is a different sort of avenue because we are talking strictly about hip hop, which I like hip hop. There's a movie called Brown Sugar that is amazing. Black classic blastic um <laughs> and in the movie the main character is a journalist and her like whole thing is like what was the first time you fell in love with hip-hop so simone you're gonna what? ask this question to me on the spot <laughs> <laughs> okay all right go 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 i can't even answer it i don't think but yeah i'm gonna put you on i'm gonna put you on the spot what do you what would you say is like the first moment you fell in love with hip-hop or like the first song thing per act all those things it's been said before on the show but i am a a jazzer baby so i grew up in the babysitting room of the jazzer size club as my mom taught classes five days a week and oftentimes in order to like keep us uh active while she was practicing her routines mama pat would pop in her cassette singles and we would like do the routines together at our house and so jazzer size music had in the late <laughs> here's your little jazzer size history for you in the late <laughs> In the late 80s, early 90s, when my mom had like bought her franchise and started to become an instructor, Jazzercise has started to take this like weird shift. It was no longer in this like Jane Fonda era of Jazzercise where um, it was think of like your more like 80s synth step music. Um, and so in order to stay current, they were using more contemporary artists and singles. And so my mom had drawers and drawers and bins of these singles um that she would have to like tape over to make a one like one long cassette tape <laughs> of her like entire wow. <laughs> i mean praise her because what pat could have done with a little youtube and, like and like, spotify yeah. yes like <laughs> So she, so some of my very early memories were um, like routines that she would do with uh, Salt and Peppa. Um, obviously, growing up in California, Tupac was like playing everywhere. Um, but my sister Leah also got really into East Coast side of it and played, we also played a lot of Biggie in our house. I remember the day he died and feeling like that significance of it. I don't remember Tupac's death as much since that was slightly before, but- It's funny, I remember when Tupac died more oh, than interesting. Biggie. Interesting. So yeah, I would say that those are probably my earliest 
formative memories. Nice, of nice. Hip-hop. Yeah. Well, I am not a jazzercise baby, but <laughs> I I would say that I am an R and B baby. So mm-hmm. my parents, I like to say that they are a little more uh, wiser uh, and uh, mature than probably a lot of people my age. Um, and so the music that they listen to primarily was more R&B, jazz, that kind of stuff. And hip hop was like here and there and more so probably from your sister. But I feel like I really remember like Tupac a lot. And I'm sure there's like other stuff mixed in with that. But I feel like he's the first rapper I kind of cared about. And hence when he passed away, I was still very young. But but I remember his death. And I know it's not a death that tore me apart like selena but i was just like well why'd he die like mm-hmm. like that young stage of like well what does that mean like or mm-hmm. well that's sad like yes i don't even feel like i really quite got the east coast west coast oh no scope <laughs> of it until like much older until like my ideas around like race and music and stuff have broadened and become a lot more widely understood but yeah even as a kid i was like I just, but I I do remember for both deaths for Tupac and Biggie thinking that they were obviously so needless and yeah. like, what a fucking waste of talent. That is so sad. Not that I'm not victim blaming, absolutely no, not their no. fault, but it's just so like, God, that really sucks. <laughs> yeah. I feel like, um, I feel like I still don't really understand the East Coast, West Coast beef, except from a perspective of like, marketing and just like yeah male male bravado and ego totally but um yeah so who's ready for this deep dive on east coast versus west coast 90s (laughs) (laughs) we're actually gonna be talking kind of about the antithesis yes of gangster rap and that vein of hip-hop because will smith is so kind of fucking squeaky clean Mm -hmm. and his beginnings of his career especially in hip-hop really kind of paved the way for him to be able to transition into acting so flawlessly in that Mm -hmm. regard because Mm -hmm. he's this rapper who doesn't curse he's not sagging he's not talking about gang violence or street violence or drugs or anything like that and not to knock those uh artists because obviously we all love um a little nwa a little um wu-tang a little Mm -hmm. biggie little tupac you know Mm -hmm. obviously Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. beyonce's husband in this house as i rock her (laughs) (laughs) her sweatshirt but um not to knock that but obviously the early part of hip-hop is tends to be very like fun and party oriented very fun Mm mm-hmm and I think that just speaks to the origins of hip hop. It started as like kind of this block party thing. And um, for me, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, they remind me them and Kid and Play mm-hmm. are like of the same vein for me. And mm-hmm. I've talked about House Party. I know you haven't seen it, but like there's something special to me of that genre of like dancing and having fun and like, you know, the DJs playing the party and then the the rappers rapping and that's just like that was your spotify and apple music for your house party is like you got somebody play someone some was there doing it live 
yeah yeah <laughs> play some records and know what was like cool and like or the breaks of the song that were like the fun dancey parts that you could just keep going over again and then the evolution of like emceeing from like just hyping up the crowd and your dj to like actually telling a story um so yeah so let's start with the beginning well, and now that I've, if you didn't know what hip hop was, there you go. There's a nice <laughs> little summary. But let's start with Jeff Towns and Will Smith. Um, yeah. Obviously, they're both from Philadelphia, born mm-hmm. and raised. They met kind of on a fluke. Yeah. And it's so, I read his memoir and I was rereading it, but like. Will Smith's. Yeah. And when I read memoirs like that, that aren't like that are about like the beginnings or go over that kind of stuff, like how someone kind of got their breaks and stuff. Like Mm -hmm. I just read Lenny Kravitz's. There are moments where I'm just like, like, first of all, usually memoirs make me kind of depressed. It's like, damn, what am I doing (laughs) with my life? (laughs) But there are moments that make me like, see, like they had this weird coincidental thing happen to them that just fucking was like the thing that just like the spark that they needed or like that moment or meeting or chance whatever and it's and i watched i just watched this um interview on drink champs with uh jeff so basically um dj jazzy jeff dj philadelphia pretty well known again someone who you know you have in a party you call up the a local dj and like hey can you spin my party and he worked with another rapper named ice and so Mm -hmm. they were kind of like this duo who would you know dj and whatnot uh parties and stuff and then will didn't have a dj but he had a beatboxer ready roxy who's on Mm -hmm. some of their early records but so they you know would battle and stuff and so jeff got asked to do a party in will's hood and so they were like hey this dude's coming and blah blah like you can let him like come in our like neighborhood and so will was like yeah let's go up there let's go check it out and so they go and jeff's rapper ice wasn't there so Mm -hmm. jeff said that he called him and he wasn't at home and this obviously is before pagers and whatnot so if you're not at home you just not getting not getting the job no one's gonna know where you are yeah <laughs> yeah like you can't be like hey can you like check his location on find my iphone <laughs> or did you see him on snapchat was he at the cheesesteak place like you know you just don't know mm-hmm. and so he goes to dj the party anyways will shows up it's like hey like where's your He's, I think Will's going to be like kind of battle his rapper dude. Yeah. And he's like, oh, where's where's your dude Ice? And he's like, oh, he's not here. And so then he sees the opportunity. He's like, well, oh, hey, can I like rock? I'll be your hype like, man. Yeah. He's like, yeah, sure. And then they just had this chemistry. And then ever since then, it's been like DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Friends. Yeah. So that is like, and so Jeff says, he's like, if Ice picked up the phone that day, who knows where I'd be? Like totally, and that's crazy to think about. I'm like a phone call, like just that instant of. And now yeah. I think that's less possible because it's like if you don't pick up the phone, it's like bitch, I'm gonna text you, yeah. <laughs> and then you can at least screen your text to be like, oh, Simone wants me to DJ this or has a party to DJ. Mm, I don't really want to go, and then that's my fault for <laughs> seeing that and being like, mm-hmm. oh. but. 
that's just so crazy to me that something like that like would because also they could have just not gelled and just been like yeah that's the other cool part of it is that it was kind of kismet we've used that word before right it's just kind of like meant to be but you know lots of people can like get together and like sound okay but like not vibe very well but it sounded like the origin stories that I read as well that like their connection was like very instant and they all like instantly had great chemistry and really balanced each other out with like the the music talent uh that uh dj jazzy jeff had and the like hype goofy guy like yeah (laughs) you know being able to like not read the room but like light up the room and like feed off of other people's energy that you have from will like i just think that that kind of partnership is rare to find and rare to find that they didn't really have to like work towards it that it was like automatically kind of magically happen like that yeah and the fact that they're still friends they still work together and despite them kind of splitting up so will focused more on acting they still like were involved in stuff together um which we'll get to when we do the second half of will's music career Mm -hmm. but um i i do want to talk about too like the legend like I feel like going through this made me appreciate Jeff more in this mm-hmm. duo than Will. Like, Will's great, but <laughs> but Jeff is really, like, the soul of this heartbeat and, or not heartbeat, but the soul and the heartbeat of this duo because as a DJ and as a beat maker and whatnot, like, you have to have this like really profound understanding of music. And then back then with hip hop, like you get a lot of samples. And when I think about sampling, like I see TikToks and stuff where people are like, oh, you know this song? Did you know they sampled this song? And they'll like show how they sampled it. And, or, you know, um, and it blows my mind that DJs, producers, that they will listen to something and then pull this like one thing or this one part and then turn it into something else. Mm-hmm. Like there's tons of samples in their records that you're like, oh, hey, I like know that. But mm-hmm. it like nowadays I feel like sampling is just like, oh, yeah, like you used Mariah Can- Carey's Fantasy, which is a sample, <laughs> yeah. but like it doesn't like it doesn't get rid of what existed before. And I feel yeah. like like that blows my mind so like jeff's understanding and knowledge of music and his skill set too just as a dj like he was winning these like competitions and doing scratches and stuff that was like unheard of i think on one of their songs he does like the transformer scratch which he uh made up but it's like this robotty thing and that's just him taking a record and like scratching Mm -hmm. it on the turntable that kind of stuff i was like i didn't know jazzy jeff was that fresh like that like i just know he getting thrown out on the fresh prince a lot (laughs) (laughs) and always hitting on hillary and like never landing but (laughs) but like that that i really appreciated learning more about that part of their duo and their history and then will's will's cute (laughs) (laughs) well what impressed me too about will was reading that their first single that uh girls ain't nothing but trouble off of rock the house this single became a huge hit 
the month before Will graduated from high school. So that means that they met while he was still fucking taking biology <laughs> and cal, you know, geometry and like English <laughs> and taking all of his final classes before he was like getting ready to graduate. I even find that like all the more impressive that you're able to balance those two things and like you're still a high school student but then you're also like showing up to these parties and like fucking crushing it on the music scene i mean yes but no because so in his memoir um he notoriously kind of has this deal with his parents because Mm -hmm. um his mom is huge on education as most black moms are and or not most but like you know anyways I don't want to generalize, but his mom was big on education, so she expected him to go to college. And then you also have to think at this time, hip hop is like this new genre of music. And a lot of people thought it was a fad, thought it was just like a thing. You know, that's what the youngsters are doing. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to go anywhere. It's not this big opportunity to be like a mogul or a millionaire or now there's hip-hop billionaires or whatever it is like it's just like this little thing that's like "Mm, why would you waste your time pursuing or doing that instead of getting an education anyways so obviously too will's getting success in high school so he's like i don't really need school like that and so his mom's like look you're gonna graduate so he does straighten up his act but he was like skipping class and like stuff like that but he made a deal with his parents he was they said they gave him a year after graduation and if it didn't work out he was gonna go to college Mm -hmm. and like when i hear people who do stuff like that like in terms of pursuing their dreams where they're like okay i'm gonna move to la and i have a year and if i don't make it then you know move back home or i'm gonna go to school and that too blows my mind just like circumstance of them meeting because there was like absolutely no guarantee (laughs) that they were gonna like pop off in a year sure sure and then to think like if he held true to that like because there's some people where they don't pop off in a year it might take them like five years or you know stuff like that and to give up on that potential within a year just because like that's crazy too if Mm -hmm. that didn't work out but like you know if he had another year or another six months then maybe something happened and then it's like oh well my year was up so like that's crazy Mm -hmm. (laughs) in my mind but um yeah i think he got a little cocky and a little like he, I, I t- to reading his memoir, I think Will Smith's always been very sure of himself in some manner. So I think he already felt confidence as like, I could battle anybody. And like, you know, I was good at rapping and uh, making jokes in my rap and, and picking on people. Like, you know, when you battle rap, you point out things about the other person and try to get the most like, ooh or laughs and mm-hmm. stuff like that so he knew he was good at that already so i think he had the confidence to be like i think i can do this but like someone like me be like oh my god like a year's probably not enough time like <laughs> <laughs> like if i gave us a year for this podcast like by my standards i'd be like well it's yeah. a wrap like i hope you guys enjoy j-lo <laughs> like, yeah <laughs> but yeah so they get success with girls ain't nothing but trouble. And mm. then you too, like, they're from Philadelphia. New York is the epicenter of hip hop at that point. So mm-hmm. it's, again, 
not streaming, no internet. Like you have to have your records like physically in places and whatnot for them to do well. And also being played on the radio helps. So those things obviously helped propel them to like outside of Philadelphia and into like the mainstream of that time hip hop. Uh, But yeah, their start is just like, I'm just like, they don't, you can't start out like that no more. Like, <laughs> I feel so old, but I'm, you don't, you don't really hear that kind of like, yeah, we were just messing around and boom, success. <laughs> boom. You want to talk about Rock the House and like some of our thoughts on that album and songs yeah. and whatnot? Yeah. Yeah. So Rock the House was the debut album from the hip-hop duo DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Um, the album was released on April 7th, 1987, and it was released in Europe and in the United States, kind of consequent or side by side, um, and subsequently reissued again one year later in 1988. Um, there were three tracks from the original album, which was the Magnificent Javi, Jazzy Jeff, A Touch of Jazz, and Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble is very famously um, song samples, the theme song from I Dream of Genie, which is super fun um, and adds kind of like... Um, like, I would say, like, a bit of, like, a poppy 60s beat to it. When the album was released on CD in 1988, they re-recorded a version of Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble and was re-released again as a single after their next album, He's the DJ and I'm the Rapper. That's, like, the, sam- the I Dream a Genie sample. Like, so it's good. Like, like, how do you think, I'm going to take that and make a hip-hop record out of that yeah bananas it's Um, bananas and i like so you know with researching for this show and stuff there were definitely songs that stuck out to me uh parents just don't understand summertime for me nightmare on my street was a big one because i I have a whole halloween mix (laughs) i'm gonna ask you about that when we get there okay okay and so i know it wasn't the first time i probably heard this song but it's definitely been the first time after a long long time of hearing it so as soon as that came on i was like that's fucking brilliant using you just can't help but like bounce to it and like yeah yeah a lot of my notes for their songs and stuff are just like fun funny a lot of songs are like super dancey like and it makes me think of like house party and stuff and I really like Rock the House, I think is a really great like first album. Mm-hmm. Like I wasn't expecting listening through their discography. Like sometimes going back in music can be hit or miss, you know, especially like if you're so far removed from it a bit. It's like, oh, like, you know, this is great for the 80s, but, you know, it. It doesn't hold up or it doesn't hit the same to me. It's not as sentimental to me either because I didn't Mm -hmm. grow up then or whatever. But I think Rock the House is like still a fun record that I feel like any teenager or anyone who like looks fondly back on adolescence will be able to be like, hey, I fuck with this. Like, this is Mm -hmm. fun. Like, it makes me feel young again. Yeah. (laughs) 
um like just rockin Mm -hmm. is not a single or a huge song but like you know that feeling of being a teenager and you're just playing whatever music you're into at the time in your room and your mom's like turn that down you're like come on mom just rock like i'm just Let me play Paramore on a loop. Like, I'm going through it. Like, whatever it was. Stuff like that, where it's just, like, I feel like still universal. Um, And then taking it to the top, I think, is cute. I don't want to keep saying they're cute. But I think it's very ironic because Will Smith obviously winds up taking it to the top. So, Mm -hmm. And then I really, too, like, obviously, I started off with their first... I would say their first three albums really showcased a lot of uh, Jeff's DJing skills and stuff. Yes, definitely so, in like Rock the House, Just Rockin', Magnificent, yes. Jazzy Jeff. Like you really hear a lot of those DJ skills in there. Yeah, A Touch of Jazz. Like, yes. Those yeah. are dope. But going back to Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble, the song Guys Ain't Nothing But Trouble featuring mm-hmm. another Philadelphia rapper, Ice Cream Tea. I think I think for, you know, the time, it's, for one, I think it's dope of them to let a female rapper basically address their song, Girls yes. Ain't Nothing But Trouble, and put it on their album. And because, do a direct parody, yeah. Yeah, because I know, like, I think probably for our generation, it would be, like, no scrubs and then no pigeons. <laughs> like, <laughs> where you have no scrubs and then you have, like, guys being like well we don't want no pigeons and like their response to that but i thought that was dope of them to do that and i mean girls there's a i feel like there's still unfortunately a good amount of misogyny in, in their music in some yeah, aspects definitely so, there are some there, things that haven't aged well <laughs> yeah but i I have to keep perspective like it's like 1988 and stuff like that. But I I thought that was a dope move on their part to have Ice Cream Tea do Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble and have it on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, any other thoughts about Rock? Uh, well, Just One of Those Days is on there as well. And I'm not going to lie. I thought it was the one Just One of Those Days. But I was wrong when I heard it. <laughs> But How just, wrong you would be. <laughs> very, very wrong. Um, but, you know, again, just one of those days is similar to the style of Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble of where you just, it's it's storytelling of one Murphy's Law bad incident happening one after the other of either getting suspended and kicked out of class for um, grabbing a girl's ass. Grabbing a girl's <laughs> ass um, or uh, having to take the bus and then having to hijack a car because you're going to be late and you don't want to get fired from your job. Um, so, like, there's there's definitely elements from of songs like that that have definitely, that show their misogyny or that show a little, like, mm, I don't know about that. But I, I do, I do, I think a lot of his target audience could definitely relate to that, you know, in similar fashion to parents just don't understand, like, I feel like when you're a teen, you feel like everyone's kind of against you. You can't do anything right. And that like when you have a bad day, you really have a bad day. You just like yeah. feel it so tremendously in your heart and soul that so it's just like, God, you just do you ever just have one of those days where like fucking nothing goes right. So I do I do really enjoy that song as well. Yeah, that that that's another standout. And that 
like for JLo, for the JLo album, I talk about how heavy that first part of that album is. Mm-hmm. And this mm-hmm. album starts off with Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. Mm-hmm. Then just one of those days, Rock the House, taking it to the top. Like the energy is high from beginning. Yes. I would say to the end, but mm-hmm. like it just. It just continues so well, even for like the non like singles or hit songs um, on Rock the House. They really rock the house. They truly did. So, mm-hmm. her for them. Uh, <laughs> Should we move on? Yes. So, album number two uh, spans around the age of 1988 to 89, followed up with He's the DJ, I'm the Rapper. And in their, this is their 1988 follow-up album, uh, which ended up making them multi-platinum stars. This was mostly recorded in the UK. Um, and it was the, uh, this album was Rap Music's first double vinyl LP release. Um, which and it, I own. Okay, Miss Bragging Rights, I see. No, it's such a fluke. Small story. In college, I would go to Berkeley and go to Amoeba and Rasputin and just, like, look around and buy stuff for shits and gigs. And I always would go to soundtracks and then, like, rock or, like, the clearance, like, 99-cent cheap section. Mm -hmm. And then for some reason, one day, I was like, hey, there's a hip-hop section. Like, it never dawned across my head that, like, oh, hey, there's hip-hop and R&B records on vinyl that, like, you might want to look at or see. And so I looked through there, and I saw that one, and I was like, oh, shit. Like, this is kind of cool. And then in my head, I was like, well, I didn't know. I never had listened to that album. But in high school... Parents just don't understand was my ringtone for my parents. <laughs> that was like back you, you, when you paid that extra ninety nine cents for that ringtone. No, or did I downloaded it? it illegally. <laughs> um, like one of those free later. ringtone websites. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> but so I was like, oh, is this the album with parents just don't understand on it? So I Googled it real quick and I was like, shit, it is. So I was like, oh, I'm going to buy this. Like, I've never listened to it. I plan to listen to it when we get to uh, for that footage reel, baby. (laughs) Yeah, when we get to the socials for this episode. But yeah, like that was technically like my first hip hop album on vinyl, which is like a weird, crazy thing. But yes, that's awesome. So it because it's a double LP, it is gatefold and it folds out to where it's like him on one side pointing and he's like he's mm-hmm. he's the DJ like just the DJ and then it's I'm like the, the matching rapper. T-shirts. She's my <laughs> Sally. He's my Jack. <laughs> oh my god, a eh? divorce T-shirts as oh Jessica my god, would call should. them. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, if I ever wear one of those in a couple no it's cursed. <laughs> like, automatic yes. curse oh my gosh but anyways continue on fans okay. uh, my <laughs> short story no i loved it um so like you said parents just don't understand is the lead off single this kind of turns the um tables around uh to 
the duo and kind of starting to make them like MTV household names because now it's starting to be played more on the music television back when MTV still played music. Um, and we'll talk <laughs> about this later, but it gained the honor of their first Grammy for a hip hop and rap song. Um, at this time, we're starting to see more uh, guest appearances uh, from Jeff Towns on Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. But this album has other hit singles like A Nightmare on My Street, which has kind of an interesting history uh, with the movie itself in that it actually doesn't have a history with the movie. Um, but we have some great other uh, hits. Brand New Funk, Here We Go Again. Um those were kind of the ones that really took like stood out to me yeah this album um so the premise of the double lp is that one is primarily will or the fresh prince rapping and those kind of songs and then the other half is jazz showing off on the ones and the right. twos right. um and djing so around um the live at union square song is where you start to get all the jazz dj stuff um but the girls ain't nothing but trouble music video it it, it gives Can us we... <laughs> okay i'm i'm waiting for you to say it because i really feel like we're gonna say the same thing wait i'm talking about girls ain't nothing but trouble my bad I know. parents I... just don't understand oh okay wrong album <laughs> that's okay that's okay that's but okay, if you want to go back because we didn't talk about that music yeah, video i have but... music video thoughts i wrote them down go ahead <laughs> okay Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble gives me real Toontown vibes. Like Roger yes. Rabbit vibes. <laughs> I didn't I didn't make that connection, but their early videos have that kind of funky, like clearly on a set. Yes. And like Yes. It they were simple but like very thematic. You can tell like low budget, but like they made really good high quality things anyways. But yes, this I, was like a set of like, think of like, you know, kind of like your Fresh Prince backdrop, although you also get that with parents don't understand with like your classic spray paint wall and which is what costume. I was intending to talk about. But yes, yes. like, yeah, and I, I don't I think that there's something to be said about like early creativity when you think about artists and their careers yeah. because I feel like like you said like it does seem like low budget in a sense but like the amount of creativity you do with that so budget creative. Yeah. sometimes is better than like hey here's like two million go make a video exactly like, and they could have in the 80s you could have done something with like a green screen or like early forms of CGI but it would have come across as like you know, I think it's better off that they stuck with something that where like, you know, you watch something that was like clearly made like in the early days of CGI and you're like, oof, that does not date well. <laughs> like you can see how like bad it looks. Yeah. Um, but this, it definitely is telling that it's obviously from a different era of music and a different era of, of making music videos as well. Um, but how fun they are, they do look like sets. Um it's not in, I think it is maybe in Parents Just Don't Understand. No, maybe it's in Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble. They they find their way to like some kind of a fun like island tiki bar <laughs> layout set. And even in um, I Think I Can Beat Mike Tyson, which we can talk about later, like just really fun 
production pieces it, it, it old face makeup young makeup um a little bit of cross-dressing but also i don't know it's just like yeah it's, they were goofy and funny they were goofy yeah and i think too like speaking on hip-hop in terms of that like i feel like that wasn't common and it's funny because even though he is also toxic um russell simmons like there's a point where they are managed by him not on his label but managed by him and um i think girls ain't nothing but trouble when will says like he gets um punched or whatever mm-hmm. he's like yo that's crazy like no one would no one would admit that in a record on in hip-hop like in the fact mm-hmm. that you're like i got punched and like it's a joke and it's funny he saw something special in that and i think there's something to be said for that you know you have these rappers and they're more so talking about you know not funny goofy stuff (laughs) like Mm -hmm. being things that would be like i'm cool you know i'm a i'm a rapper and like you know hip-hop and new york stuff Mm -hmm. and to have the fresh prince and dj jazzy jeff come along and they're like you know, pants just don't understand, and girls ain't nothing but trouble, and, like, I think I could be Mike Tyson, and, like, silly, goofy shit like that. I think that's a huge part of their success. Um, mm-hmm. But going back to the Parents Just Don't Understand video, you definitely get early Fresh Prince yes. vibes. Yeah. And so much from that. It reminded me of when you, me, and Jessica went to the 90s exhibit, and, like, yes. the first room that you had was the you know, kind of Fresh Prince throne with that similar backdrop. And we had, we we might have spent the longest taking our photo shoots in that room. <laughs> we had to come correct. You had to <laughs> do it justice. Yeah. Might have to throw those up on the socials when Ooh. we get, get there. <laughs> yeah, I got some good ones. But I still love parents just don't understand. Might have to reset that as my ringtone, even though my phone doesn't <laughs> ring anymore. They should do like vibrate tones. <laughs> where it's like, well, like vibrates to the beat of it. And too, thinking about MTV, like, you know, 88, 89, you still have like, you still have huge rock acts, pop and being on MTV as a black artist, let alone hip hop, is still like a big deal. So I feel like their appeal to teenagers and other youth people probably helped in terms of like their videos getting played and that mm-hmm. fun aspect, like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the bright colors, the goofy spray paint. Like, it wasn't even good spray paint. <laughs> like, <laughs> any other songs from he's the dj i'm the rapper oh a nightmare on my street we gotta talk about it yes so simone i immediately was like i need to ask simone what she thinks about this because i think now it's more common for black people to openly like horror movies and stuff and like be horror nerds in a sense Mm -hmm. but like I feel like we liked them before, but it's like, oh, yeah, that was a good like that was a good time at the movie theater, but not so much of like like how you see horror fans where they're like completely immersed in horror stuff. And for Mm -hmm. them to do a song around a horror movie to me was I feel like kind of iconic and groundbreaking in a sense. Yeah, um, this song comes up like I have a few like Halloween playlists that I like to play around the month of October. 
um, and this song always came up and I knew that it was Will Smith, um, but I thought in this, you know, it's pretty common that like songs would be made for ending credits of a movie or opening credits or would be used maybe like in the middle of it. Um, and a, a Nightmare on My Street is it's a showcase kind of a fictional confrontation um with the very infamous nightmare on elm street's villain freddy krueger um and it but when you watch the music video you actually don't really see someone dressed as freddy krueger and i wonder if that has copyright to do baby with, with the copyright <laughs> i mean they have elements of like the finger knives and stuff um but it's based off of nightmare on elm street 4 which was dream master and it kind of had some legal threats with the movie's distributor of new line cinema when the music video was initially released they asked to take it down um and so in response the music video was end up being pulled and they had to sign a legal disclaimer which included um kind of in the later pressings of this album but uh, jazzy jeff re-released this music video in 2018 so it's up there on youtube or on his like vivo page um and it's it's super silly and cheesy and it's but you don't have to see freddy krueger to know that this song is based off of a nightmare on elm street um yeah. and i the music video is super fun i thought originally that it was made for the movie but it wasn't and so i kind of like that makes me really enjoy the song even more that like <laughs> they didn't do this out of the money gains or something that new line yeah. cinemas would have cut them a check for they're just like no we went to go see this movie and then now they're dreaming about it and now oh no it's not really a dream i'm like pulled into this dream world so uh the one of my favorite parts about this music video though is like the main monster in it who i think is played by jazzy jeff he's in this really cool leather jacket with this big misfits patch on the side of it and i'm like oh, i fucking want that jacket so bad but yeah it's 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 really great and it pulls again samples of the main overlay music of nightmare on elm street which can you know for diehard horror fans they know that so sound immediately yeah which they got sued for by yep. New Line Cinema. And so their um, settlement with them was that they would do some movies, mm -hmm. which is why we may have gotten Will Smith in Where the Day Takes You because it is a New Line Cinema movie. No shit. Yeah. Also, something that I discovered is because listening to their albums, again, like I said, a lot of songs are very, like, house party dancey and i'm like man who came first them or kid and play and like how come they weren't in house party or like how come they didn't do like a movie like house party like that would have been a, like an easy way for will to have pursued acting mm -hmm. and so i looked up like i just looked up dj jazzy jeff and house party or fresh prince and house party mm -hmm. and they were kind of offered house party at the same time as kid and play and kid and play were also offered fresh prints um so they in a weird way wound up doing like what the other didn't want to do or whatever and they both had big success doing whatever they chose but i thought it was crazy because i was like man i love that it 
kind of assured my comparison of them because mm-hmm. sometimes you think of stuff you're like hey that person should have been in that or should have did this and then you like look up something and you're like oh mm, well that's just what <laughs> i think uh-huh. but the fact that they actually were in talks to possibly do that so whereas new line cinema were just like hey these guys ripped off our song you need to do a movie here's a movie you want to do this and they were just like really and then the director was like well actually we want to go this route but anyways i thought that was a cool fun fact but nightmare on my street is like the intro song to this album so yeah do you think that's an interesting choice for that to be the intro song and not parents just don't understand i do but like i don't okay so i do because i feel like here we go again should have been the intro song i don't even Mm. think parents just don't understand because again it has that tone of like like here we go like yeah like in sync here we go or like you know or like j-lo with step into my world this like intro into whatever place this album and this Mm -hmm. artist is about Mm -hmm. to take you and so i feel like in that terms like it's an interesting choice because here we go again it's right after it so it's like but i also feel like it's so unique and it's like horror yes stuff that it's like where else do you put it and it's a single so it's like you kind of have to like put it up front in some senses so it's like yeah it doesn't theme it's not like the whole album is like this kind of horror influenced feel so yeah you kind of have to put it first or or if you bury it then it's at the end and you know sometimes it's just like people tap out of albums it's just like okay i heard true. what i wanted to true true yeah and this song did make quite a bit i mean it reached 15 on the hot 100 and it would it like did share like some pretty good commercial success um yeah, I don't know. I just think it's interesting for like a first song choice. But I, now hearing like kind of your rationale and understanding behind it, it makes sense. You don't want it to get buried. And then it might seem like clunky if it's in the middle yeah. of it. So, yeah. Yeah. So other songs besides, you know, those huge ones. I love Brand New Funk. And mm-hmm. like there's a part where Will kind of, shows off his rapping skills where it's like if anybody is questioning like will smith as a rapper i feel like that's a great song to play because mm-hmm. um when he hits that like you should have seen the people dancing and shaking and moving like that is just like oh my god he's going in mm-hmm. and it's just again a fun party dance I've song I feel like like I would be hitting the running man in somebody's living room like getting busy um to this song uh other songs I think Charlie Mack the first out the limo is I don't think it's a like a standout song but it just sticks with me because I feel like again the storytelling in this and then reading his book and knowing his history with Charlie Mack it's a good friend of his that they that he grew up with in Philly who became his bodyguard and um they are super close like they go out party together and Jeff's kind of more quiet and to himself in comparison to those two so like Mm -hmm. that was Will's extroverted buddy and so I think it's just something kind of special about uh 
like for men for a guy to put a song on his record about his friend yeah and and his kind of protector at that time because it's his bodyguard where his bodyguard's like no i gotta be the first out the limo so i can like survey the layout and protect you guys and that's essentially what the song is about so i think that has a special place because it's called out in his book where i'm just like hey that's that's kind of cute like <laughs> um pop up the bass is again another fun party re- record let's get right. busy baby is a yeah. misogyny <laughs> uh checkpoint on this yes. album yes <laughs> And I think it's funny because in this song, like in the beginning, it's like he's kind of trying to like check a guy about like how to talk to women. But then he goes on and does like just as bad. I feel like kind of reminds me of a movie that we're going to be watching later. Hitch. It reminded me a lot of The Fresh Prince because early on in the show, you know, Will is trying to find his way around like Bel Air prep especially alongside Carlton and then like girls and stuff and he has lots of girlfriends throughout the show some very famous guest stars I just watching the Fresh Prince and watching him hit on girls is just like this song where it's just like like those lines and like those cheesy like come ons and stuff like are not the business but for some reason for Will it's not that it works but it's like oddly charming on the show yeah yeah. on the show not so much the song on the show Mm -hmm. on the show because it's a comedy you're like this fool (laughs) like but i could see that in this record too so that's why um and then like i said the rest of the album is like jeff showing off his dj skills um one song is called dj on wheels or, you know, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, hip-hop dancers theme, jazzy in the house. Human video game is like a fucking just clinic on DJing skills, mm-hmm. like where he does like all these crazy DJ tricks. Um, and again, this album made me appreciate his part in this duo, whereas you would kind of, I think as hip-hop went along, the DJ became less important and kind of Mm non-significant but in this part of hip-hop it was like the dj was just as important or like you think of salt and pepper with spinderella or run dmc Mm -hmm. with jam Mm -hmm. master j and so this gives jeff his shine you know giving him his own album part like Mm -hmm. having it be two um any other songs from this album that you fancy we covered them baby so i think this would be a good part too to talk about their first grammy at least because yeah they won the first ever award for best rap performance for parents just don't understand um there is lots of like controversy around this because mm-hmm. one the grammys which in their problematic glory just like the oscars which are tonight oh yeah um they added this category but they did not want to televise it it was was just going to be like it's hard because these award shows have so many categories which is great because you know you get awards for people who you know engineers and shit like that like where it's like people who really play a role in the music but that aren't front-facing you know and they have a place because, again, it adds to your resume to be, like, Grammy Award winning. And so 
Um, you just can't you can't show them all, and then you know there's some that are just not not entertaining. But in Je- Jeff's interview with Drink Champs, he was talking about this, and he was saying, you know, we boycott it because at that time hip hop was new, yes, but it's like the top three genre of music, right? Mm-hmm. And you want us to perform, and you give us this category, but you're not gonna showcase even one because within genres there's like multiple awards sometimes Mm -hmm. so you're not even going to show one hip-hop grammy like on the televised portion like being one like no we're not gonna we're not gonna go and Mm -hmm. i think the beautiful part of this which i think may be lost a bit these days is that everybody who was nominated so it was them jj fad for supersonic Cool Modi for Wild Wild West. <laughs> Irony. Hello, <laughs> uh, Cool J for Going Back to Cali and Salt mm-hmm. and Peppa for Push It. Everyone in the category agreed to boycott the Grammys and not go. And I don't know if anybody would have that solidarity now <laughs> to be like, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. even within Will's career, Jada and him boycotted the oscars during the oscars are so white but like there definitely were other minorities up in that building like good for y'all i'm getting my oscar (laughs) (laughs) or like i'm gonna get my oscar and i'm gonna i'm gonna be like you know what yes we do need to address the diversity issue i'll make some commentary on it when i get up on stage yeah yeah let me first win my oscar (laughs) So I think there's something to be said about them early on making that statement. And then now we know that it's a huge, I think it's a huge part of the Grammys, at least now, um, seeing, you know, big hip hop acts perform and win and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I think it still has a long way to go. But I thought that is a huge part in just like the history of hip hop. That's Mm -hmm. super important that they won too. I do I do understand where people were like, you know, you know, somebody else could have won or some more qualified rappers could have won. I think they are a tiny bit kind of like Macklemore winning, except Mm. that they're very much a part of the culture of hip hop and Mm -hmm. very deservingly deserve to be recognized. Mm -hmm. But it's just that feeling of like, okay, yeah, they have a popular hot record. You know, you have you have other great people and, you know, rap legends like Salt and Peppa and LL Cool J and Cool Mo D who are in nominated with them. And then you probably have some even big ones, too, who weren't even nominated. That's like, damn, like they weren't even nominated. And then they give it to like goofy ass Will Smith. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so I, I understand that part. But I do think that in the long run having them win the first grammy i think on the face of hip-hop did a did a big service because they Mm -hmm. are this act that you know doesn't curse is pretty like straight laced and you know nothing too controversial Mm -hmm. is happening Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. their songs yeah Um, but so that's that's the gist of their grammy win oh some rappers that people believe should have been nominated were like i said big daddy kane mm-hmm. krs1 by that time 
NWA and Straight Outta Compton had just came out. And mm. like, that's crazy to me that they weren't nominated because that mm. album too is historic in putting gangster rap on the map. But mm-hmm. it's not the image, you know, that you necessarily want to put on your fancy schmancy award show is a group with the n-word in their name (laughs) like so who have songs like fuck the police so (laughs) and were a big a big part of getting explicit labels put on records and shit like that so there's something to be said for them winning yes um and then they also did win like an american music award and they also won the first MTV Video Music Award for Best Rap Video for mm-hmm. Parents Just Don't Understand. So they were they were kind of music industry darling. Yeah. And then we go on to their third album, And In This Corner. Yes. Uh, this was released 1989. Um, this was their third LP. And the sales were a success. They kind of finally reached gold. They realized that their popularity was starting to slip a little bit. The crossover kind of curse of various rap acts had started to come to pass or just was like more common and like not as like people were just kind of looking for something new and so their initial audience felt like they had become kind of too accessible so interesting that you're uh that you brought up big daddy kane so non-crossover rap acts like big daddy kane and boogie down productions kind of had bigger street followings and meanwhile pop radio had started to latch onto new faces like tone lock and young MC and non-radio followers became more enamored with hardcore acts like Ice T and the Two Live Crew. So, I'm as you can tell, I'm reading that straight from Wikipedia. I'm I really am doing my best with. Did I do okay with pronunciations? Except Are you laughing? T- tone Loke. <laughs> oh, is it Tone Loke, not Tone Loke? Yeah. My yeah. bad. Well, listen. At least I said Ice T this time. <laughs> not Ice T. <Cube. laughs> yes i'm proud of you baby steps thank you thank you uh this album had the lead single with i think i can beat mike tyson um which is in kind of in the same vein as their other lead singles um so let's go ahead and talk about some of these songs and some of these music videos well a little backstory on the recording for this album at least in comparison to their other two so if you haven't read will's book and you are interested in this stuff highly recommend um i mean every like i haven't read it i would like to for the sake of this podcast because i know last season you were the one who read jennifer lopez's book and so you kind of did the heavy lifting with talking about it and after like doing the research for this episode all of the commentary at least on youtube when looking at like music videos and like interviews with the two of them every person or not every person but overwhelmingly in the comment section people said i came back after like reading the memoir and so it, it really has struck my very curious bone yeah absolutely read it and two maybe we'll have a bonus episode just on his book like once you read it going back to 
him talking about and in this corner so like you said about he's the dj i'm the rapper they recorded a lot of it in the uk because Mm -hmm. i think their record label or something they had preferred rates for recording in the united Mm -hmm. kingdom like they Mm -hmm. owned studios there so it's cheaper but that album they like were holed up in a hotel they didn't go like party or sightsee or anything they were just like making songs like just like excuse me just like Mm -hmm. turning stuff out and then when you think about rock the house that's their first album is made mostly in jeff's basement at home he's a fucking music nerd so he's like just always in his basement creating stuff so i feel like that was just like an organic this is what we do like this is our fun and you know we made these songs and then he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, is the evolution of that. It's like, okay, we get, we're getting paid to do this, but like we get to go to this place and like lock ourselves in and make mm-hmm. an album. Mm-hmm. And in this corner is the disaster that it is because these fools were like, hey, let's go to the Bahamas. <laughs> I heard about this dope ass studio that all these legends recorded at. Let's go there and make our record. And they were partying. The whole time. Mm. And so um, I forget who it was, but somebody called Will's daddy. Willard. <laughs> We're Willard Carroll Smith, the first. Yeah. And was like, hey, they are not doing what they need to do. And there is no album yet. So he went Shit. down there. Oh, I didn't know that. And was like, everybody that's not Will or Jeff, get out the studio. And he talked to them and was like, you guys are blowing this opportunity. You guys are stupid. You need to focus all this stuff. They were, you know, girls drinking, partying, shenanigans, all that stuff. So I had read the book prior to listening to this album. So when I got to this album and the first song is Then She Bit Me. Yes. Yeah, that was an interesting (laughs) one. It's, I mean... You guys just have to go listen to it, but it's um, it's like about a vamp. It's a vampire story. I mean, the way that I listened to this at work, and I was just like, "Oh no wonder this is trash." Yeah, <laughs> like, no, because it's just like a jumble of things. Of like, she lived in a castle. No, she lived in an igloo. No, like it's very it, it's rapping as if you're like thinking out loud of like what the next thing's going to be. And that's because they had to rush and put together songs because they ran out of time because they were fucking off in the Bahamas and then they had like a due date and you know they were just like okay let's make up what we can. But yeah this album is like the definition of procrastinating. Yeah, I will say that there are some good moments on this like Jazzy's Groove and I personally don't care for I think I can be Mike Tyson I think there are it seems like there are some songs that they just like try to recreate stuff from he's the DJ I'm the rapper because I think I could be Mike Tyson kind of gives me gives me feelings of like girls ain't nothing but trouble and sense I think mm-hmm. that's just because it's a story too which I think is just Will yeah. at this time Will's brand of rapping is telling these stories yeah. which we don't really see later on in his later music which will be an interesting shift yeah I but think at that's this just... point it was definitely a brand yeah but I just think that's to the evolution of hip-hop too yeah is that 
I notice listening to them and just thinking about other early artists that you have this element of storytelling in hip hop, which it still happens, but you also need like a hook and a chorus. Um, <laughs> there's weird songs. Like, first of all, I wanted to look up like you got a donut. Like, what the fuck does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> that is some early 80s, yeah. late 80s early 90s slang that I don't know what that means. Um, the song The Girlie Had a Mustache, I was like, I'm tapped out. I can't take any of this seriously. There's a precursor to like, dude, where's my car? With like, who stole my car? Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, I do like Too Damn Hype. I think that's a simple, like, classic record. Um, and then Jeff was on the beatbox. I think it's another Jazzy Jeff, like, you know, skill set song. But I don't have too much to say about in this corner because I know it wasn't that great. So I do have to say, and I'm going to put, put myself in a little vulnerable spot here. So when I was listening to uh, I Think I Can Beat Mike Tyson, I was like, this song sounds very familiar where have I heard it. And I embarrassingly know that okay so in the like late 90s early thousands we get aaron carter uh, I, coming think I, <laughs> I didn't make that connection so That's... he was inspired by this song and just overall inspired by the cleanliness family friendly storytelling i mean aaron's house aaron's party like that album Rock the house it it's it's all yeah it's all storytelling like Bubblegum kids pop rap. And so, so, oh my God. <laughs> so when I heard this, I was like, oh no. I heard the I heard the white boy version first before I heard the original. But that's the oh, way the music cookie I crumbles. I put it in the hope like slam. I heard the crowd screaming now jam. I swear that I'm telling you the facts. And that's how I beat Shaq. And yeah, when I heard But this, see, was, at least that has like a catchy chorus. Like I think I could beat Mike Tyson does <laughs> It doesn't really. But I love, so the music video, Mike Tyson's in the music video. Like, it's all in good fun. There's some fun, um, like, prosthetics and injuries and stuff. Obviously, Will gets his ass fucking kicked. Um, and there's <laughs> there's this line that says, my inside shooks. My insides shook, and I'm not going to get too detailed, but, like, my bowels released. So, like, he shit himself, essentially. <laughs> and I was like, oh, you mean a night after Taco Bell? I see what you mean. <laughs> But like, but Liv hearing Moss. Liv Moss, baby. But yeah, some of the prosthetics they made his like eyes look all wobbly, like he had yeah. clearly been beat up. But um, that's a fun music video to watch. Yeah, I also thought it was a bit foreshadowing with him being able to play Ali, and like part of me wonders if anybody <laughs> watched or listened to this. They saw like, that and they're like, I know who can play. <laughs> I mean, because I think Ali picked watched. Will Smith. So who knows? Maybe yeah. maybe he was watching MTV one day. It was like, hmm, hmm. that boy's not half bad. And he kind of looks like me. He could probably play me one day. So I'm happy to, <laughs> to leave that album as like a nice little brief moment. Yeah. Because yeah. we have probably coming up one of their biggest records on their next album titled Home Base. Obviously, and in this corner, kind of a bust. Did okay, but not not too hot. 
and then they come back. Well, okay, yeah. Home Base is their first album post Fresh Prince. Yeah. So, and in this corner didn't do too hot. And then Will Smith blew off all his money, which he talks about in his memoir, which I won't go into too much, but you should read or stay tuned for our episode on his book. Mm -hmm. But he basically did not pay his taxes, ran out of money, didn't pay his taxes. And so he moved to L.A. And then again, by fucking like just cosmic whatever, was able to land The Fresh Prince, which is a fucking amazing story. Which again, mm-hmm. this episode not going to get into, but yeah, but was able to land the Fresh Prince. So you have him now, millions of people watching network TV, and then now you have this album. So he is no longer just like hip hop famous; he is also kind of like American TV star famous. Yeah, like that MTV pop culture famous. So you have Home Base, which you know, is a different, again, recording process for them because, you know, they're not in Jeff's mom's basement. Like, this is now no longer their main gig, you know. I'm a TV star. I don't have to do albums really Mm -hmm. anymore. But, you know, they still love it. So they decided to do this album. This album comes out in 1991, and it's a platinum album and Mm -hmm. noticeably features a more mature sound. Um, Yeah. He, like, changed the sound of his voice because, and then she bit me, like, like as <laughs> yeah. crazy and chaotic as that song is, like, had some receptive feedback to it. Yeah. But so, Summertime is the lead single. Summer, summer, summertime. So, Summertime features a very iconic sample from Cool and the Gang's mm-hmm. song, Summer Madness, which he shouts out in the song. And is a very popular TikTok sound with the, oh, Lord. Oh, Zoom. Lord. Wow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like Summer Madness is also in Friday a lot. Man. This song, why in the trailer I brought it up, is just like definitely one of those songs my dad played. And oftentimes single cassettes would come with like a remix or some kind of fun radio edit to it. Yes, yes. But sometimes there's like extended cuts which are longer than the radio cut. And then you sometimes get just the instrumental, which is like for music nerds. Like, yeah, it's just one of those songs I remember definitely as a kid. Nice weather. At that time, we had a BMW, so in the BMW, sunroof open, windows probably down. And in this song, you know, they talk about that, like, you know, cruising around in your mm-hmm. Jeep or your Benzo. Mm-hmm. And, like, and I could, this is probably one of the few rap songs I could confidently rap okay. from beginning to end. Okay. It's the beauty of Will Smith's storytelling. It's mm-hmm. so vivid, I feel like, in, in the song. Like, you can picture it. And then finally we get that catchy chorus of summer, summer, summertime. Like, it's just, it's like one of those records that it's just like, I can't even talk enough about it. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to stop and get your thoughts. <laughs> But. Yeah, no, it's a great song. The music video is also very, it, it's not as highly produced as some of the other ones. Like there's, it's like 
kind of supposed to be like clips of them like kind of cruising around town but you can tell they're just like sitting in front of a like a moving panel or a moving screen so it like makes it look like they're driving are they really no, driving yeah they're really oh driving. no and they're okay. in philadelphia okay so we got some good practical magic on these sets but again it's in terms of production it's not the same thing as like nightmare on my street girls ain't nothing but trouble that kind of stuff like this has images of like a barbecue family gatherings and get togethers. It's obviously a fun summer anthem. And it just you can't be mad when you listen to this song. Yeah. Also history of the song. So allegedly, Will Smith said that he got the song. And you know, like, I think most people at this time, you know, you get like the cassette or whatever of the beat. I think he was on a plane or something like that. And he just he just wrote it all in one take. Mm-hmm. just like heard it and was just like ripped it all out and like it's impressive some, right and some people i was on twitter in a space and someone was like oh you know summertime that's pretty much like um rakim's flow and like he wrote that and i can see the connection to rakim but he didn't write summertime fyi but i think a lot of rappers take inspiration from other rappers and their flows and stuff wills has changed obviously from you know rock the house to this again they sound more mature and whatnot in one take and then um on drink champs jazzy jeff was talking about how you know, on the East Coast, they have seasons, which I never thought about. On the East Coast, they have seasons, obviously, you know, and Will had been in California doing Fresh Prince and whatnot. And so California fantastically has nice weather pretty much year round, especially mm-hmm. SoCal. You know, you're in a place where it's damn near summer all the time versus coming from a place where that's something you look forward to, which is like, Summer's kind of this rite of passage in a sense of like, okay, we're out of the, you know, layers, putting on the short sets and sneakers and rolling down the windows and we could hang out at the park and that kind of stuff. Like that was kind of like an eat or probably still is an an event for them on the East Coast. Whereas like Mm. in LA, it's just like, hey, we doing that every day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got my dicky shorts on and my Cortezes or my Converse <laughs> and we're in the Lolo, you know, yeah. riding around. And California's huge car culture, obviously. But on the East Coast, you can't do that in the winter. Mm-hmm. So so I never thought about that. But I think that's a really cool element of this song is about like how much he missed kind of the the setup and the allure of getting to that point in the year of like you know we get to be outside like Mm -hmm. and i think we could kind of relate to that in terms of the pandemic uh, (laughs) a little bit because like once once the first summer in the pandemic came we were like okay but we good right like (laughs) yeah like especially that first like vaccinated summer is like oh okay bet we But yeah, I think that adds like an element of, <gasps> I love this song even more now. Um, and also the on the album, there's a summertime reprise. Mm-hmm. And I love a reprise. Um, like <laughs> a weird like mellow kind of closeout of a song, but I had never heard that before. So that was amazing. Other songs from Home Base, because this is a solid album, unlike Andrew in this true. corner. <laughs> so. True, true, true. 
Um, um, I like Ring My Bell. That's a that's a fun one. And do, 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 oh, that thing, the things that you do. Yeah, I feel like Ring My Bell. I remember hearing as a kid. Like it just sounds so familiar, and I feel like I remember singing along to that. The things that you do is a great like. It's a good fun party song to me. Mm-hmm. I think I'm all that is an interesting choice for an intro song. It's kind of cocky. <laughs> like, yeah. And rightfully so. But I was just like, okay, talk your shit, Will Smith. Like, I see you. A dog is a dog is funny because I feel like he's acknowledging his like misogynistic yeah. man whore ways. And then let's see. I like Caught in the Middle of Love and Life. I think that's kind of a sleeper. You Saw My Blinker is notably like one of the only songs he curses in. Mm-hmm. He says, bitch. Oh, my God. Oh, <gasps> so <scandal>. salacious. <laughs> but then you have like Who Stole the DJ and Dumb Dancing. And you have less moments for Jeff, kind of. But um, you have some these small moments um, that highlight him and the DJ. And then notably, too, they part w- ways with Ready Rock C, who was on their other albums doing beatbox stuff but yeah i think home base summertime puts it like it's kind of hard to be like oh this isn't my favorite record like summertime really puts it up there but i think overall rock the house is still like my favorite yeah yeah i can see that and i I, would you would you call home base a comeback album don't call it a comeback (laughs) yes and no because i think I think comeback albums or just comebacks really are more so like longer absences of presence in any kind of way in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. Whereas like, okay, yeah, they had this not so great album and then he does Fresh Prince for a while and then they make this album. Mm -hmm. So he was absent from music, but it'd be different if he wasn't on TV. I I don't really think so. I think it's a... It's a return back to like the level of okay, because I guess they... yeah, I guess in this corner it wasn't so much of like a tank. It just wasn't as commercially successful, and it it is obvious in this way that this album sounds very discombobulated of like it, that it, it does it does definitely feel rushed. But yeah, I guess you're right. Home base wasn't wouldn't really be a comeback so much as it is like a return to yeah to standards of sorts and Mm -hmm. i think it's i think it's super hard to around this time in general in music because from the 80s to the 90s you have these huge shifts in music whereas like the 80s you have like you know hair metal and you have rock you have like big ballads and big pop stars and stuff like that and then hip-hop starts and then come the 90s these things all become super hard. Like mm-hmm. they're not fun bubblegummy things anymore. Um, with hip hop, you have the emergence again of like NWA and gangster rap. So like, no longer do people want to like party and dance and like hear a cute little story about how like you ran out the house <laughs> after hooking up with a girl. <laughs> you know, they want to hear about like you know fuck the police and like shit like that mm-hmm. and. Or even Public Enemy, well, Public Enemy was popular in the 80s. But, like, you know, they want to hear more real gritty stuff. And then with rock, you have the emergence of grunge, which noticeably, like, just fucks up everything (laughs) that 
rock knew itself to be but there there is a shift in terms of like fans to like seeking out like i want the hardcore stuff like Mm -hmm. i don't want the mushy rap yeah and so this kind of leads me into a question that i have and so you've darted i don't want to say darted but you've said lots of words mushy um family friendly goofy you've said a few times (laughs) are those nicer words than saying the word corny like do you think that will smith's music's corny i think they're nicer words than corny yes because i feel like corny is is a overall like cutting down of someone you Mm, know okay and i feel like goofy family friendly mushy mushy maybe not so much but goofy and family friendly are still honorable things you know Okay. Whereas like corny is kind of seen as just it's like, yeah, and like not worth your time. Whereas mm-hmm. like goofy, like everyone needs to laugh. Like everyone, you need a class clown. Like, you know, I'm sure there were people who loved early 80s hip hop and then graduated into the gangster rap era and then was like, you know what? I'm going to throw on home base because I can only listen to Straight Outta Compton so much or like Easy or, you know, I love yeah. it. But at the same time, I can't let that be my like every day. And music affects your mood too. Like I remember Absolutely. there were days when I worked at Starbucks and I would drive to work and listen to like Jay-Z or something. And I'd be like super like, like nobody better say shit to me kind of mood versus like you listening to like the spice girls on your way to work like you're gonna be in like i wanna ha- like, wanna ha- wanna ha- wanna ha- you're gonna be in a different kind of mood yeah so i think that's where like at least that's where those words are coming from for me like where they're these breaths of fresh air and not super so much in the in the 80s like they're different but like a lot of rap still was not super gritty and like hyper realistic or about like you know the circumstances of drug dealing or you know being in poverty and stuff Mm -hmm. some Mm -hmm. of it some of a lot of it still was just like you know party records or you know fun stuff like but yeah that's where that comes yeah i wouldn't say he's corny (laughs) but but a lot of people thought he was corny so oh yeah well again i just i ask out of general curiosity not knowing that that term could be misconstrued as not offensive but like an insult i guess um just because i you see it a lot in the commentary section and like listening to some of the lyrics it's not fair to pit an artist like ice cube and will smith together because today was a good day and summertime or girls ain't nothing but trouble are just like two different ways of store like telling your truth and telling your stories and you're so right like listening to one over the other can definitely alter or change your mood but i've never heard critics saying you know run dmc or you can't just, really compare like you can't, you can't uh, run dmc it. to nwa so or... it's not fair to call someone corny over the fact that they're gonna be like making hip-hop albums about two different not genres but just two different different ways experiences and 
you know, whatever. So yeah. it's just a word that I saw throwing out. So I was curious to get your thoughts on it. And thank you for kind of like opening my perspective on that word. I never thought that it would come across as offensive yeah. or like insulting. Yeah. I feel like corny is along the lines of like whack, you know, like or poser. Or um, like it's in that family. Okay. Yeah. Things. That that triggers the poser because i i was trying to think of like white thank you that would be similar because i was like whack buster <laughs> I, I know also known as a busta like i yeah. know that that's a not nice but like you know a not good person you know like a slacker i don't know it's not, not too savory of a character <laughs> um but i will say i do think by home base like summertime summertime i don't care if you're a crip or blood this is a summer anthem so mm. i feel like this probably not shifted people's perspectives per se but like definitely earned them like universal cred of just like i they ain't that bad like mm-hmm. for people who may have been like oh, i don't fucking listen to them like there's probably people who like were making fun of them and dissing them who like where are they now so let's move on to the right. final Code album Red, baby of their tenure as a duo yes. front facing at least because dj jazzy jeff does have his hands in his will smith albums and also will's last albums as the fresh prince um but code red so this album came out in 1993 Mm-hmm. And this was again a little more harder than yes. the last songs. They wanted uh, something different. Yeah. And I think, too, again, that just goes with like what's happening in hip hop. The sounds and stuff of hip hop is changing. Also, probably another thing that is a little beyond some people probably is like production is. You know, you're not hip hop's no longer just taking probably your mom's records and trying to find like a dope section or something to sample and then access to having access to studios, having access to probably more records, having new equipment that probably, you know, came along in the 90s and late 80s that you didn't have access to. But the lead single is Boom, Shake the Room. Yes. And I like this song. It, I do too. It's like it's so it's so like in your face and mm-hmm. I I wasn't expecting a song like this and then the video too is noticeably like a shift from like these like colorful bright colors like colors to like all black combat boots like backwards hat Will Smith, you know. Grown mm-hmm. man goatee Will Smith too. Mm-hmm. A little facial hair going on and also it was not it's still not super common but he's like kind of dancing with choreography (laughs) behind him and i think this is something that he later on would continue to do with like men in black getting jiggy with it those kind of records uh wild wild west um but i like boom shake the room it gets stuck in my head you know just walking around boom shake 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 yeah tick 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 Tick, boom. It, yeah, has a good beat to it. Like, this reminds me of a 90s birthday party. Like, similar to <laughs> jump around, jump around. Ah, uh, yeah. Get down. Like, this could be. Or even crisscross jump. 
Yes. Yeah. You make it's it like jump, jump. Yeah. It's like that instructional dance song before like, the Casper side. <laughs> yes, yes. Or like, I put my hands up on your hips. When and I, dip, I dip, you dip, we dip. Yes. Like those, or come on, ride the train, train. But yeah, it has like that feel to it a little bit. Um, a little bit harder than some of those songs in terms of just like Will's like bravado and voice. Um, I will say the intro song for this album, something like this, is again a great intro song because it's like setting up. You know, this is what we're going into, and mm-hmm. I don't know. I just I feel like there's an art to the <laughs> intro song that some artists are just like throw the single up there, and then some people are like, no, we have to have a proper like this is where we're about to go, and I love a like proper this is where we're about to go choice. So yeah, that's a clear precedence of the album. Yeah, it's a mood setter. A song that is like my new favorite and throw that on your summertime pool party playlist is I'm looking for the one mm-hmm. to be with me, which mm-hmm. I was just like, oh, how have I not heard this? It is summertime's older cousin. <laughs> It's so good. It's like so similar in the best way and not in a like, oh, they just remade Summertime but changed shit like kind of way. I'm pretty sure Will Smith's first wife, Cherie, is in the video for like a nanosecond in the beginning. But again, this video is very like summery. They're in a drop top um, and it's like they jokingly taped like a... Uh, old school 90s camcorder yeah, to the front. Yeah, it's like it. home movies. It's like watching a home movie. Yeah, and then they're like on a yacht. Well, not even really a yacht, but like a little baby yacht yep. <laughs> like in California. We and... got a jean jacket. Jean jacket yes. vest. Yes, vest. I love vest. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they're just cool living it up. California life dream. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, too, this out this record speaks to at this time i think wool's married to sheree so speaks to like that whole like i'm a married man aspect of like i'm looking for someone to settle down with and mm-hmm. be with and stuff so that's... you know what this music video kind of also reminds me of is where the day takes you because it's like shots of downtown la and hollywood they're like on the walk of fame at some point they make a stop at like a like a little roadside burger place and they're yeah. sitting down having some food i was like oh this kind of reminds me where the day takes you a little bit that's funny i didn't even think about that but yeah i could see that um and then can't wait to be with you is another record that speaks to i think his marriage and relationship at the time mm-hmm. i think twinkle twinkle i'm not a star is interesting because it's like the denial of his success in a way mm-hmm and it's just like, who are you kidding? Like, and to know how like confident and assured he is in himself, like mm-hmm. I thought that was weird for him to make a record like that. It's like, boy, please, like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I think like I think this album starts off strong, but kind of wanes in ways that Home Base doesn't. Yeah, like it gets a little slow towards the end, like Shadow Dreams and stuff, and it's like. Mm-hmm. It's just like going through the motions of listening to an album versus like there's nothing on the end of this that I'm looking forward to. Got it. But I think this is a nice 
solid goodbye last we out type record yes no you nailed it oh i want to rock it's like another dj jazzy jeff highlight Mm -hmm. real song which is dope because it totally sounds like an actual like kind of live thing Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. and it's just again will do it like he's like we're gonna take it old school like what we used to do and i was like oh here we go i'm here (laughs) for this so i really like that but yeah i think part of this album is is like him kind of grappling with like fame i think by then he paid off the irs Mm -hmm. and was like (laughs) oh shit like I'm really making it like I'm in a few movies. He probably knew shit was coming up. Like things were in the works for other stuff. And it's like, wow, really, really doing it. Oh, and we forgot to mention in 1992, they won another Grammy for summertime. So Mm -hmm. chef's kiss. And then he's the DJ. I'm the rapper. Also won a soul train award. Another notable win for them. Um, And then they won an AMA for home base for favorite rap album as well so again some award-winning work here for jeff and will any final thoughts on this music journey no but it was well i guess if i say no and i have a but then yes I have <laughs> some final thoughts um my final thoughts was that you know we um We've had a couple of weeks to listen to these songs, which was nice. I know with last season with Jennifer, it was, we were usually just covering one album. So we'd have like a week to really listen to it and give it some thought. So it was nice to have a couple of weeks to really sit with a lot of these songs. And we're in our second spring pre-third winter phase of Bay Area weather. So it's been a little bit nicer out it's been warmer. Kevin and I have been barbecuing a little bit more. So I've been playing a lot of these songs out loud. And it was just kind of my history with Will Smith music. And I said this on the trailer really didn't start probably until Big Willie style and um, getting jiggy with it and, uh, you know, Men in Black and Wild Wild West and all that stuff. So it was nice to kind of rewind it a little bit and learn I had I didn't know that there were going to be five albums to talk about and granted they're not all like very long but you know they each have like a special history and again for him to start this career before he graduated high school and then be able to like be pretty successful with it and make a name for himself and then do this transition after Code Red he's getting more movie roles and he really wants to pursue that more like that doesn't happen a lot for people like to make that crossover of music and movies and like more serious roles of of movies that isn't just going to be your like funny charismatic fresh prince style of character um i think says a lot about his talent and capability so i've just really enjoyed getting to listen to these uh, this music and kind of doing some more research on the history of everything yeah i think for me listening to their music made me again like i said in the beginning really appreciate jeff and his contributions Mm -hmm. to Mm -hmm. will's career because as we know in a partnership there's so much that you know can potentially go wrong but also that just has to kind of work seamlessly Mm -hmm. and i think how they got together is again amazing just like cause of fate probably and then on top of that 
for them to have success, you know, to transition from hip hop being initially more about the DJ to being more about the rapper and surf weathering that storm. But Jeff could have easily been like, I'm the DJ, I'm important. And now I have less songs on some of these albums Mm -hmm. or stuff. And like, yeah, he was producing, but like they, the beauty of their relationship is like, it seems like there's never this feeling of like, I should have just as much as you or whatever. Because even when Will moves on to acting, like, Nori asked Jeff, like, on the uh, on Drink Champs, was there some kind of, did you feel like he left you behind in some sense? He was like, no, not at all. Like, that was always, like, I always kind of knew, like, that was going to be in the cards for him. And we sat on the porch one day in Philly, like, before everything even mm-hmm. popped off. And he was like, you know, I want to be in the movies one day. And then, you know, in my head, I was like, I want to do music for movies. So... To not have, like, that animosity of, like, you know, we were this duo, we were great together, and now you're going to ditch me to make movies, and then he's really good at it. So it's not like he ditches you and then doesn't do well. It's like, how's the movies working out for you? <laughs> like, no, this dude's, like, running the 4th of July weekends for, like, numerous years in a row. Yep. And to still be friends and all that stuff, like, it's just amazing although i think for guys too it's probably easier because they're just like what's up yeah cool we good yeah (laughs) like (laughs) um i really really appreciate dj jazzy jeff i feel like he doesn't get his flowers enough in terms of the that stuff i think it's easy to look back on will and see where he is now and a thing that nori said was like you know there's lots of and we talked about this a little bit there's lots of rappers who become actors and he's like you know a lot of people are like they're actors and he's like nah they were hip-hop first like will Mm -hmm. is hip-hop first and like Mm -hmm. what he was able to do and represent for hip-hop in terms of him being able to act and not even just to like jeff talked about in that interview like not be pigeon held to these like typical oh he's a rapper but he's going to act in this movie as like like a and ice cube was able to overcome this but like some of ice cube's earlier roles in ice t2 or even um well queen latifah is different but a lot of rappers early roles tend to be even tupac even though he was like dually like in both worlds heavily mm-hmm. um but are these like street characters, you know? Yeah. And I think too, because Will was never that in rap, it was really easy for him not to be like just that in movies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, him being able to do six degrees of separation really separated him from being like, oh, it's just this rapper kid who wants to be in a few movies. Like, it's like, oh, okay, no, like he can actually act act and mm-hmm. is more capable of doing more than just playing you know these street characters or you know whatever that is so will's importance in hip-hop i think is looked on fondly in retrospect despite people calling him corny or a sellout early on um and I think that long term wise, his legacy is sealed in that regard. But I think people leave out Jeff a lot. And that's where I've come to be like, hey, he's just as much in this <laughs> shit as as Will is. Like, yes, he's not acting like Will is. But like, I don't think they would have 
Well, maybe Wool would have made it without him, but they're special together. I think I appreciate them more as a duo than I did. Yeah, that's beautiful. Love you, Jazzy Jeff. (laughs) So are we feeling, do we feel like we have touched up on everything there is to touch up on for this episode? I do. You know, this is a pretty hefty episode, but I know. Thank you for listening to this week's episode and to the people who have stuck with us as we've boomed Shake the Room (laughs) and, you know, just rocking out here. Um, Please come back for another episode of the Safeway Select version of Behind the Music this episode. (laughs) But next episode, Inside the Actor's Studio. (laughs) I know. We almost graduated to pop-up video. But seriously, if you like us enough to stick around, please take another deep dive down this IMDb rabbit hole with us as we discuss Will Smith and the infamous 1995's Bad Boys with Martin Lawrence. Yeah, I'm kind of sad he didn't make a song for that, but... Again, I keep on thinking about that stupid P. Diddy song. Bad, 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 bad boys. Like, that could have been his. That could have been his for the movie. And it's funny that you think that because Diddy Ah. did make Shake the Tail Feather for Bad Boys 2. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Good song. Anyway. And on that musical note, if you've got nothing better to do, go figure out a theme to maybe listen to a bunch of music from an artist you've never listened to. Or watch some music videos that you've never seen from a genre that you may not have always dabbled with. Um, I'm your very white host, Simone. (laughs) It's been an honor and a privilege um, doing this with you, Bria. Please subscribe to this blessed mess. Uh, and please leave us a like if y'all are into it. And I'm your very melanated host. Not really, because I'm technically, I guess, light-skinned in the black <laughs> community. Anyways, I'm black, and I'm brown. <laughs> <laughs> and it would be awesome for you to wipe off those um, not-so-buttery, but, like, put your cheesesteak down and wipe off those cheesy... Oh, your Philly cheesesteak. <laughs> your hoagies. So, you know, okay. if you okay. want to... You know, follow us if you're into more of this. And, you know, if you feel so inclined, give us a review. Mention us to a friend. Um, but we're on Instagram, TikTok, and Twitter at Roll Call Pod. And on that note, this has been another episode of Roll Call the Mixtape. Uh, wicka, 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 wick, and cut. <laughs> that was very white, Simone. Thank you. Now you always have to introduce yourself. I'm your very white house, Simone. <laughs> I'm your mayonnaise. <laughs> Where Sometimes I, I can sauce? spicy mayonnaise. I'm a hot sauce. I'm a hot, I got hot sauce in my bag. <laughs> <laughs>